Before we dive in, I want to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Unfinished, for making this episode possible. Unfinished is a full-stack Webflow design and development agency that helps companies at the startup and enterprise level build creative and innovative websites. Thank you to RR and the whole team for supporting the podcast, and now let's get back to the episode. Hi, my name is Emily, and welcome to the Great Design Lead podcast. I was talking with one of my friends this week. And she was telling me about how she was really frustrated transitioning from uh, studying graphic design in college and trying to find her place in the UX world. Um, and so she reached out to me and she said, hey, Em, I could really use some advice. I, I really um, would love to hear about any advice that you have for me because you were literally just in my position and wanted to know if you could help me in any way. And so I, for some reason, um, what just went ham with this and I made this whole presentation. I did it all in Figma and I made it Mario Bros themed and I literally walked through step-by-step the journey from my my internship in college and my junior year of college all the way up into where I am now and all of the um, mistakes that I made, all of the chance encounters that really helped me, all of the people that helped me along the way, how I found those people that helped me and all of that kind of stuff. And I, I laid this all out for her. And uh, then I, I took that presentation and uh, did a loom video so I then presented it to her and looked at all of these different points in my life and then sent her the loom video and then went to sleep and then she opened it the next day and thought she texted me she said Emily I love you so much but what is wrong with you? <laughs> like, not in a bad way, but just like, this is so type A. Oh my gosh, this is so well organized. And then she said, this is such helpful information for somebody in my position. Would you want to share this with other people? I think it would be really helpful. So I thought, oh, maybe, I don't know. Uh, and then I was chatting with two of my really good friends uh, who also are in user experience, one's a UX researcher and the other one wants to go into UX research. And we were making s'mores and chatting on top of their rooftop. And my one friend was like asking for some advice about um, how to get into the UX world. And I looked at her and I said, I made a um, 20 minute tutorial video about all of these different things that I did and, and how I connected with people and all the little things that I did. And I shared the Loom video with her and she said, Emily, what is, again, Emily, what is wrong with you? Why are you like this? But also, thank you so much. This is so helpful. And so I had a break in guests this week and I was thinking about what I wanted to talk about, what I wanted to um, share with you guys. And I think this would be a good thing to share. So the only difference in what I'm sharing versus what uh, I shared with them is I shared with them uh, more like financial stuff about offers and things like that. Um, and I'm not going to do that here. But if you wanted to research anything, like everything's available on Glassdoor, you can just go see it. Um, yeah, so 
we're going to start from the very beginning, uh, chapter one. There's 13 chapters, and at the 13th chapter, I'm going to talk about the exciting stuff that is going to be happening uh, at the end of the summer for me when it comes to my job. But uh, before we get to chapter 13, we're going to start with chapter one. So the the UX journey of Emily Giordano, chapter one. It was my junior year and I had my big internship of college. I went to the kind of school where you were in school for four years um, but you didn't have any summers off. Instead, you had your junior year. Half of that year was an internship. So a lot of people know that as a co-op. It's just a word for a short word for cooperative education where companies will take on interns that kind of don't know what they're doing and they get really cheap <laughs> employees and we learn a lot. And then we go back to school and take what we learned in the workplace and then uh, maybe take extra classes or whatever because now we know a little bit more about what the real world is like. And so I actually didn't enjoy my internship as much as I thought I would. And it was really scary because I was in my junior year. So like I was almost done with school and I had all of this idea of what being a graphic designer would be. I had this all idealized in my head. I thought it was the best job that you could po possibly even potentially have. And, um, or at least the, the one that was best for me that would make me the happiest. And once I realized that it wasn't the thing that was going to be the most fulfilling for me, um, because I really love having success metrics off of things, being able to make something and then see the outcome of it or see how people interact with it. I I felt like something was missing because I really like design, but um, just something was missing and I really didn't know what it was. And so it was really scary. And so in chapter two, I leave my job, the internship ends, and I go back to college for my senior year. And uh, it's, it's COVID time and I'm spending a lot of time at home just on the exercise bike that I had in my uh, house that I shared with my roommates. So on the exercise bike, I'm just watching all of these YouTube videos about design and cooking and all this kind of stuff. And there are these two videos that actually really stuck out to me. The first one was How I Became a UX Designer with No Experience or Design Degree by Chun Buns, who's uh, Christine Chun, who works at Instacart, or she worked at Instacart at that, at that time. And the other video was Learn Webflow in 16 Minutes 2021 Crash Course by Flux Academy. So these two really piqued my interest in even what is UX design what is user experience design, being able to see how all of these apps that I really, really liked, like I'd been using Instacart forever and I have been convincing all of my friends to get it as well. And I thought it was such a great product. And I had all of this natural interest in just the way that it worked. But the reason I didn't know what UX was, was because I thought everybody else felt like that. I thought everybody else thought that the process was really interesting and the fact that you could get something tangible just all of your groceries can just get delivered I would be gushing about the the process of this app and I just thought that was normal and then I realized um maybe sometimes that's just what UX designers find interesting and I just thought 
yeah, everybody was like that. And so the other one was learning Webflow. And so that was a video that came up in my feed because I had started to make websites for people through Squarespace. Um, and I was about to start making a website for somebody and then use a WordPress developer to put it together. And I previously didn't really have any interest in in websites. I took uh, a, a web class in college and it was all programming. And I thought it was really interesting, but I didn't see a place for me there, but then finding Webflow and realizing that I could develop on my own visually without a lot of code, that was incredible. And so pretty much I threw myself into this. It was, it was crazy. It was like, I don't know how to describe this sort of like obsessive um, tendency that I had towards this career stuff. I was making sites on my own. I was teaching myself Webflow. I spent all of this time at my kitchen table. Like my roommates just gave me the kitchen table at one point. They're like, okay, this is Emily's desk. She's just going to be here. This makes her happy. Okay, whatever. And so it was just a very interesting point in my life because I had all of this time. Um, I was in school and it was COVID time. And so I wasn't really working outside of that. And I had saved up from that internship so that I could afford to not work for a couple months. And I was in college and everybody's college poor. Um, and so, yeah, that was just, it was just a really weird point in my life. And so I thought that UX was really interesting. I thought development was really interesting. And so chapter three of this journey, I, I called the search. And so what I started searching for exactly was I was looking for more role models that I could find that were like real people that I could talk to. So Christine was really interesting. Ron was really interesting from Flux and from Chunbuns, but I wanted to find people that I could just talk on the phone with. And so I was actually looking through my LinkedIn DMs from of, of things that I sent to people a long time ago so I could screenshot them and I, I put it in the PowerPoint presentation, took screenshots of these messages of just the first message that I would send to people and I put that in the PowerPoint that I made for my friend. And I'm looking at them right now and just like the way that I phrased it was adorable. And one of my, my friends, I said, hi, and then I said her name and I said, we don't really know each other that well, but I want to introduce myself to ask if you have any time, some time for some advice. I'm graduating in a few months and I'm taking the leap into product design. I'd really love to hear what your experience has been and what it was like for you to start out. And then another girl I reached out to, this is just very strange to read your messages and not remember sending these messages at all um, because it was so long ago. But the other girl said hi and then I said her name. We don't know each other, but I'm graduating soon from Drexel's program. Over the last year, I've learned a lot about UX on my own, decided that's what I want to do for a career. If you have time, I would love to hear about your experience sometime. If you're too busy, no worries, just wanted to reach out. So I really wasn't asking for anything. I wasn't asking for any job things or anything like that. And I sent these sorts of messages to people that I found interesting for, for so long, to so many people. And... I don't think I had a single negative reaction from anybody and everybody was so kind and so friendly and pretty much people would reach out saying, sure, I have time. I could do tomorrow after five or another girl said, 
um, would you like to talk on the phone or would you like to talk on video? Like everybody was so kind. And when we talked on the phone, some people would talk to me for an hour. Some people was 30 minutes. One woman, she talked to me for like three hours because she was driving somewhere and just wanted somebody to talk to. And so I said, okay, I'll talk to you. And people were just so friendly with talking about portfolios, talking about um, their journeys and everything like that. And just getting more data on all of these different people's um, paths and how they got to where they are gave me so much more insight on what was realistic and also all the different ways that people can find their way into their job because it's not all a one size fits all thing. And so this was really the origin of the the podcast, which was people were spending so much time with me and I felt like there wasn't anything I could really give back to them. And also I was trying to think about it from their perspective of what did they gain from talking to this like young girl um, about work and about career and about life? Like what are they getting out of this? It felt very selfish kind of uh, to just take up their time. Um, and so I started the idea of doing a podcast just to somehow give them something back so that they could say that they've been on a podcast or um, they could share it online or just something like that that I could give give back to them. And so that was the the chapter of the search, which ended up leading to the podcast. But in the next chapter, chapter four, is the lead up to graduation. So when I'm reaching out to all these people, I'm still in school. And the lead up to graduation, I have so much going on. And just so you know, uh, I was in school part-time. So that's why I had time to do this. But on top of that, I was also working and uh, being a nanny and a cleaning lady for a bunch of different families through the city. And so like, if you think that you're you're about to graduate and you just have zero time to do anything, um, I was also in that situation. I had zero time to do anything, but somehow I still made it work. I wasn't sleeping that much, but you know, you, you make it work, I guess. Um, in the lead up to graduation, I was teaching myself Webflow. I was making these practice sites on my own. Um, my senior thesis, if you have a senior thesis as a just a thing in your life that you can choose to do or choose the subject of, and it's related to design, um, I actually made my senior thesis a website mock-up in Adobe XD. And I didn't know about Figma. I didn't know about all of these things. All I knew about was the Adobe pro products. But um, it actually ended up being a really good opportunity for me to learn about uh, what is a wireframe, what is a website, really, how you can go through the user flow, all of that kind of stuff. And it was my first interaction with user testing. So I actually reached out to a whole bunch of people that I was friends with and said, hey, can you do user tests with me? And we would go through this website mock-up that I made. And I just asked them to share their screen and then we recorded the session. And then I said, all I want you to do is just to move through the site and just let me know when you think. Like, just speak your, your thoughts while you're going through the site. And that was so interesting just to be able to see somebody interact with what I do. And also, 
in between every one of those user sessions, I would tweak it a little bit to see if maybe people would get tripped up less or something like that. But it was really, really eye-opening. Also soul-crushing because um, I just, it was, it was just so tough emotionally to see something that you made be teared down and, and people to tell you that things didn't make sense or things like that. But it really taught me so much about being able to separate how I felt about my work being associated with me and to separate myself from the work that I do. And all that I care about is making that work better. And so if you really think about that, that these people that are giving you critiques on your work or anything like that, they are on the same team with you. They want to make the thing that you're working on better. And so once I was able to shift that mindset, I think that really, really helped me be more open to feedback, not thinking that everybody is 100% right all the time because one person might give you one piece of feedback and then another person could give you a completely conflicting piece of feedback. So still having like a bit of autonomy with what kind of feedback you're going to accept and act on, but I still thought it taught me a lot. I was I was in school part-time because I was ahead on credits. But on top of that, I was also doing a ton of online certifications for some reason. I don't know if anybody else got into that part of life where all of a sudden we were all doing like Udemy courses during COVID and everything. I don't know how much that really helped me. I think that it just gave me like a sense of purpose or or something, or it made me feel like I don't know. The whole world was kind of not doing anything and it made me give, give me a sense of accomplishment, but I don't know. I don't, I guess looking back on that, I didn't need to spend that much money on online certifications. Um, outside of that, I was feeling super lost and I didn't really see what was lined up for me after graduation. So graduation was coming sooner and sooner and legitimately I was applying to all of these different jobs and either not hearing back or getting in a couple of interviews and then not uh, being chosen. And I legitimately thought that I was only ever going to be nannying cleaning houses because that's all I could really see at the moment. I, I couldn't see uh, a real door opening for me into design, whether that was the graphic design jobs I was applying for, the UX design jobs, and just after getting rejection after rejection, it's really tough um, on you emotionally. And also on top of that, if we talk about just life not being a straight line and, and things not going well all the time, I had a huge website contract that I had lined up and they had signed uh, the contract and everything like that. And it was just like pulling teeth to try to get a reply and trying to move through things and also uh, trying to even get paid to do the, the project. And so I remember how like demoralizing it was to constantly reach out to the people that I was working for and asking, hey, is this project still happening? Like what's going on? Um, I'm ready to move on to the next stage if you are, and then just not getting responses and not getting responses and then calling their office and them just, just avoiding me. And then one day I got an email from the person I was working for and he said that like, 
I wasn't very good and that he uh, didn't want to work on the the project anymore and uh, that I was just a kid. And it was just a really mean email. And I I found out later that I think that their company got bought out or something or their, their company doesn't exist anymore. But keep in mind, this was the money that I needed to be able to pay my rent for the next couple months and pay for groceries and all this kind of stuff. So finding out that I wasn't going to be paid that full contract was really, really crushing. And I didn't know what was going to happen for me. I I was thinking maybe this freelancing thing isn't going to work out. Maybe this whole web design thing isn't going to work out. I don't know what I'm going to do. Maybe I need to clean more houses or something. And so I don't want anybody to ever think that like, it's such a clear path or that when people post stuff on on LinkedIn or something and they say, I'm so excited to announce XYZ, that they hadn't gotten so many rejections previous to that and so many things went badly. And if if you see somebody and they're like doing really well, it doesn't mean that they hadn't um, had really, really crushing moments before where they didn't know how to get out of it or 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 how they were going to pay their rent the next month or something like that. So in this this chapter four, the lead up to graduation, it was not a good chapter. Um, I was not in a good spot, but I'm doing so much better now. So it does get better. So we can move on to chapter five. So chapter five is the summer after graduation. What felt like forever to find my first job finally happened. And the way that it happened was so weird, but I highly recommend it. And I think that it is a pretty good plan of action and very unique. So let's get into it. What felt like forever was about, I don't know, maybe like four months um, of trying to find a job and cleaning houses and things like that. And I felt like I was behind a lot of my classmates because a lot of my classmates were finding jobs related to our major. And I keep kept on seeing people post about it. And I was really happy for them. I just also wanted to be experiencing that as well. And so my life hack when it comes to this is to find other people on LinkedIn who have a double connection with you. So connection number one is that you either both have or want the same job. So they have the job that you want and you want that job. And so just being in the same industry is your first connection. The second connection can literally be anything. You both like rock climbing. You both used to play the same sport. You are from the same town. And so my double connection in this instance was we both had the same first name. So I'm not going to say her... Well, I, I don't know. I don't want to put her identity on blast, but I, I met this girl named Emily in March of 2021. And so I reached out to her and I said that I was graduating from Drexel's program and that I wanted to be product designer and I would love to hear about her experience sometime. And so she responded to that really well. And she said, oh my gosh, that's that's great. It's really nice to meet you too. Um, we We joked around saying that each other had great names, even though we were both named Emily. And uh, I talked to her on the phone and we talked about 
her college life and we talked about what graduation was like for her and her for her years at her agency and uh, her agency was the agency that she worked for and we just really hit it off and had a really nice conversation and when I decided to go ahead and start the podcast she was first on my mind and so within I think the first 15 episodes or something like that I reached out to her and asked her to come on the podcast and it was July August right after graduation and so we chatted about her life and and we even connected more from there and then after the podcast came out and everything like that she saw on LinkedIn that a woman that Uh, she knew from her own network was posting a job for somebody who was at my level. And so she reached out to me and she said, hey, Emily, uh, how would you feel if I shared your email with somebody and didn't tell me who it was or anything like that? And I said, oh, I I would love that. Uh, Who who is it? She said, oh, it's it's for a a contract role. Um, Maybe you'd be interested. And so later on, I found out that that job was actually MetLife. And so she recommended me Uh, And then her connection at that company then took my name and recommended it, even though that woman had never met me, uh, but just was taking the the goodwill from my Emily and recommended me to the group. And then in the interviews, they said, oh, it's so great that this woman recommended you. Like she's she has a lot of good reputation in our company and uh, she's such a great member of our team. We know that you'll be a great member of our team because she recommended you. And I didn't know how to say that I had never met this woman before, but I was so grateful that I said, thank you so much. What is this job? <laughs> and um, so I started interviewing and after a little bit, I had an offer for a full-time job. It was a contract job, so it wasn't, uh, didn't have insurance or anything like that, but I was still young enough to be on my parents' insurance. So I said, you know what? A job is a job. This is a great start at a career. And so that's, that's where we started with. And so in chapter six of my life, uh, I title it the first big interview. And I talk about why they picked me, Um, and all of the different pieces that I think made me stick out. So obviously, they, I stuck out because this woman recommended me. And that made me so different from everybody else that was applying because um, I had some sort of social proof because somebody that they work for uh, recognized me as a good person and a good worker, I guess. So other than that, these two women that recommended me, they didn't, uh, they weren't in the interviews. They didn't do anything. They just got me the interview. What I thought got me the interview from my interaction, by the way, all on Zoom, was I had a simple portfolio showing my UX skills and it wasn't even really client work. It was uh, some membership site that I made in on in Webflow, I had some practice sites that I've made. I talked about my senior thesis. I showed a little bit of my graphic design work from my internship from college. I showed them that I had basic skills in coding so that I could communicate with engineering, which they never checked, but it was 100% true. I, I could communicate. I could go into inspect mode and talk about different things. Uh, I could tell them the difference between user experience and user interaction design. And by the way, if anybody doesn't know, 
let me just explain this in the simplest way, because I know that this is probably a question that some people might be too embarrassed to ask because they're like, oh my gosh, I've been in this so long that I don't even know how to ask and I'm going to look so dumb if I ask. I, I've, I'm in this too deep. I can't ask what the difference is between UX and UI. And so the way that I described it in the interview was that user experience is the experience of the product and user interface is the actual like buttons and pieces and, and components that make up the interface of the product in which you have the experience around. And so they said that that was enough. And so I, I checked off that box in the interview. I also could use the program that they were using. I was using Adobe XD. Now I think the more industry standard is Figma, but Adobe XD was what they were using. So they were happy about that. And mainly, and this is the case in a lot of situations for your first job, mainly they just really needed people and I was a person. And so they picked me. So that is a large chunk of why I got the job. But I think that these other things were uh, part of the reason why they picked me instead of other people that they were interviewing. So chapter seven, my first job. At MetLife, they were redoing their entire design library. And the reason that they were hiring a contractor was because they needed help implementing that. So what my job was, was I was in charge of taking all of their old UI elements. So like all of their buttons, all of their components, like all of these different pieces and replacing them with the new elements to make sure and communicating with the engineers to make sure that they executed it properly. So occasionally there were little design things uh, to do, um, but a lot of it was more like logistical. And so it wasn't super interesting, but it did teach me a lot. And I also knew that I probably wasn't going to be there forever. And so I kept track of everything that I did while I was there. And I also kept on freelancing on the side. So I just was trying to make as much work as possible. And I was building my portfolio while you're in a job. So I think that's really important to do in your first job. It may not be the job that's for you forever. It might be the perfect job and you just get off the, the bat. But if you start a job and you start realizing like, oh my gosh, all I've ever wanted was a UX job and now I have a UX job and I don't feel fulfilled or I feel like it's not quite right that's okay. Sometimes that's just your first job. And so what you got to do in that situation is you just keep track of everything that you're doing and document it really well so that when you have a portfolio, you can supplement that with freelancing that you can do on the sides on nights and weekends. By the time you're maybe like six months into the job or eight months in the job, you can start interviewing for other places and you have all of this work to show and you're doing so much better than you were before you got that job because now you have all of this work to show. So I'm not going to say that my life was great during that time. My work-life balance was not ideal. And so it kind of sucked, but I got to say that I'm so grateful for the work that I did at that time because that work allowed me to um, be recognized and be picked for my next job that I really, really, really enjoy. And so I'll talk about that later, but that was my first job experience in chapter seven. Chapter eight, deciding to leave. So it was a very specific thing 
that made me decide to leave. And it's really silly because it has nothing to do with anybody that I worked with. Like I had great relationships with the people that I worked with, but it was kind of like an overall culture thing of being in such a large company. I decided to leave over one hour of overtime. And so this is the context. I was working in this job and you're supposed to track your hours, right? And so I said, no problem. I can track my hours. No problem. Like that's very standard. And so I was tracking my hours. And one day there's something that we really needed to get done. And I said, okay, no worries. I'll just work an hour later. I'll get it done. And I'll just note that in my um, my timesheet. No problem. And so I noted it in the timesheet. And then I got paid for that extra hour of work and didn't really think much of it. And then I got a really, really angry message from the the people who were in charge of the timesheets um, who were part of like this third party because I was a contractor and it was like a whole thing. It was made me feel very much like I wasn't on the team and I was separate from everybody else. But anyway, so I got this email from the people that were in charge of the contracting hours. They said, it's absolutely not allowed for you to work an extra hour of overtime like that's not in your contract you're not allowed to do it i'm like this is a bit of an overreaction to one hour but okay but the thing that that really made me realize that i didn't want to work here forever was um they then docked an hour of pay from my next pay period um so that i would learn not to submit any extra hours of overtime even if I worked them and so that's when I decided like I I don't think that people are gonna really care about my career here or maybe I'm just a number or it was just a really really bad experience I also felt like I was in trouble but yeah and so it was literally that week that I decided I need to put a plan together on how am I going to leave this job? Where am I going to go next? And all of that kind of stuff. So I had a notion document in, uh, on my computer about what my cost of living was, um, how I could start, uh, maybe changing into freelancing or changing into another job or something like that. And so I started out by saving as much as I could and, I realized that if I saved a certain amount each month, I would be able to be okay for about a year without being able to find a job. So that was one thing that I settled. And then another thing that I settled was I changed from full-time at my job to part-time. So I was working about three days a week and I had two days off and I was freelancing during that time to get more projects and I was thinking that I could go and freelance full-time and then make that my job. This isn't what I ended up doing, but it was a thought. And I also told my job that I wanted to leave after a certain period of time. And so I just decided not to renew my contract and just to let it play out. And everybody knew that I was leaving, but I left on really, really good terms. And I asked everybody for LinkedIn recommendations. This is one of the biggest things that you could possibly do if you're leaving a job, especially if you're not leaving on bad terms. I would say ask everybody that you possibly can for LinkedIn recommendations because people do not write them 
unless you ask them. People don't think about it. It's not that they don't like you. It's just they don't think about it. And so I asked everybody and then everybody said yes. And what I did, I said, it, you can... You can feel kind of icky asking somebody for a recommendation, but the way that I phrased it made me feel pretty okay about it. I said, can you just write a review of what it was like to work with me? I think that's pretty neutral and everything, and it actually even opens the door to them like criticizing you too. So it's not saying, can you write something nice about me? It says, can you write a review of what it was like to work with me? And so I think I got maybe like 10 recommendations, and... I then took these recommendations and I integrated them into my portfolio. So my portfolio had like an about me section, it had my work and then case studies and all of the different pieces. And then it also had um, recommendations. And so I just put all of the recommendations with the headshot and the, the name and title of the person who wrote the recommendation. And that really stuck out when I was applying for jobs later on. So the next one, next chapter that we're going to talk about is the the journey on how I ended up getting into my next job. So I I left my my job um uh, at at MetLife and then I actually went away for a month. I went uh, to Europe for a month to like think over my life. I was feeling really lost. There was a bunch of stuff in my personal life that was weird as well. And so I just went away for a month to think things over. And while I was there, actually, I was interviewing um, and the interviews were kind of just like they kept on going and going and not really going anywhere. And um, I was feeling a little lost. But if I backtrack a little bit to chapter nine, the, the Zipcar story, I started a relationship with with the team at Zipcar far before I even left my job at MetLife. So I used a Zipcar for the first time. And if anybody doesn't know, it's like a it's a car rental um, service where you can rent cars from your phone. You don't have to go up to anybody at a desk or anything like that. You can just open the car from your phone, rent it from your phone, all of that kind of stuff. And so I first used a Zipcar, uh, I, I don't remember, I think it was like December 2021 or something like that in college. And so first time I ever used the car again I thought this was normal I thought the UX was so good that I reached out to the manager at Zipcar just to tell her that I had a really great experience and I really enjoyed it and I didn't ask for anything else I just wanted to tell her that and she said thank you so much that's really great to hear um and it it was just turning into 2022 and she said 2022 is going to be a great year um, for Zipcar thanks for choosing us and so I told her specifically what I liked about the experience and that I wanted to keep up with her in case her team had any openings in the future. And she said, absolutely. Um, we don't have anything right now, but reach out to us anytime or or just keep watching us. And so after that interaction that I made with her, I then made a YouTube video for this YouTube channel that I was doing on the side for some reason. And <laughs> um, I made a whole tutorial on what it's like to use the car, the experience, I recorded my screen, uh, and so I had the the screen running on the side of the video in addition to myself showing how you could use the car and, and the app and everything. And so I actually sent it to her before I posted it for permission to post it. And so she thought that that was really adorable. She shared it with people on her team, and we stayed in a loose connection for about a year. And 
I, I kept on posting about the the podcast. And I think she saw it on LinkedIn. And after a year of having this loose connection and and reaching out and and saying hi, she reached out to me to ask for me to apply to a job opening for a user experience designer. And I had just gone through so many rounds of interviews with all these other companies and all these other agencies and everything that when she reached out to me, I couldn't believe it. I was so excited. And I remember exactly where I was. Like it's, it's wild how certain memories can just stick in your life. And so the process started in December of 2022. Yeah. In December of 2020. No, no, no. The process started where I had first contact with her in December of 2021, uh, around October, November time. Uh, they reached, she reached out to me to ask for me to apply. I was interviewed in November of 2022, and I was hired in February of 2023. So there was so many interviews. There were so many interviews. I think I had eight interviews. I and that doesn't even count the the many many interviews that I had for other companies. So like, if you feel like it's just an endless sea of interviews. That is so normal. I, I had interviews with every single head of every single department and um, my my peers, the people that would be above me, everything. It was one of the most intense interview marathons I had ever been through. But I think that they did a really great job at having me meet everybody because I really had an idea of what the job was going to be like before I accepted the offer or not. So I think that was really, really great. Um, and also they could understand me if I was a good fit on a personality wise and job wise and work ethic wise and all of that. But I want uh, everybody to just take a step to understand this one thing that I've learned about applying for jobs. Sometimes when you are applying for jobs that you see on LinkedIn or you see on like any other job board or anything like that, it can feel a little frustrating because it's almost feels very anonymous and you send so much, so many applications everywhere and you don't really hear back a lot of the time because I don't really, didn't really have a lot of success from applying like on Glassdoor or on LinkedIn or anything. And I was always wondering why that was because I would see the same companies post for the job openings again and again. I'm like, what do you mean? I just applied for that. Why are you posting it again? I guess I'll just apply again. And so seeing this whole process with myself, I realized that sometimes uh, when you are applying for those jobs in those like kind of anonymous ways, you're kind of applying for a job that doesn't exist. And so when I say that, I'd say most jobs that are posting online, I th I think genuinely they already have a person in mind when they post the job opening. So technically you're applying for a job that doesn't exist. When I was interviewing at, at Zipcar, um, they then posted the job opening after they, they were interviewing me and they were interviewing me before the job was really open. And so it made me realize how much wasted effort I had spent in the past trying to go through this anonymous way through uh, like 
work social media things or job boards and stuff like that when the most effective use of my time would have been to just really create strong personal connections with companies and people that I either would love to work for no matter where this person was, whether no matter what company this person was at, so, like I would want to work for this person, or I really believed in the product itself. And I wanted to be working at this company and I really found a lot of meaning in the product. And so that was the case for me with Zipcar. I, I really believed in the product. I thought it was really good. I didn't really know anybody that worked there. It just happened to work out that all of these people were so great to work with and the culture there is really great. And so I wanted to just point that out that a lot of it has to do with who you know and how you form these relationships with people. But I just want to say that people who have these relationships with other people in the industries that they want to go into, they have to connect somewhere, right? Like I, I didn't have this through my family. Like my, my family, they're not in product design. I didn't really have a lot of product design friends from college or anything like that. So where did I make these friendships and relationships and networking things with other people? And I have to say, LinkedIn is such a goldmine for this. Just the number of people that are out there that are willing to give you advice or reach out and uh, recommend you if they think that you have a really good work ethic and remind them of themselves when they were younger and trying to go through and break into certain industries at the same time that you were. Um, I think that that's really interesting. So I'd say that if you're going to use your your time and energy, if you have a finite amount in order to find a job, I would say relationship building is so much better and much a better use of your time than doing these mass job applications. And I know that that might seem kind of silly or maybe you feel like you're making your options too narrow, but I just got to say, I really, really believe that this is the most effective way to find a job. And um if it works out for you and you use this and you you find a job that way, just let me know. I I don't know. I think that it's a really, really good way to, to go about it. And so here are the last couple chapters. Well, chapter 10, I said the interview era. I, I think I can skip over that because I already talked about the interviews. Um, and then chapter 11 is the offer and negotiation. So... The one thing that really, really helped me a lot um, was the fact that I had already spent so much time listening to podcasts and listening to um, books about negotiation for contracts, for freelance contracts. And I was really into Chris Doe, who, who had all of these things about the uh, the pitch, win without pitching manifesto and just talking about how you really shouldn't talk about the numbers that you are expecting and you should try to let the other party tell you the numbers or the budget that they have either for a role or a project or stuff like that try to keep your cards as close to your chest as long as possible so 
I took that same thought process into salary conversations. So when I was accepting a job, I actually had two job offers at given to me at the same time. The first job offer was for an agency position, and they were going to offer me the role once they had enough budget, and also the estimated salary that they gave me as a number was slightly below the, the industry um, standard. And so when Zipcar offered me a role, I was really, really excited, and they they paused during one of the interviews and said, Emily, this is the point of the conversation where we talk about salary. And so I knew that it was so much better to try to avoid myself giving them a number of what my expected salary was because it's so much better to try to keep your cards to your chest about that topic as long as you can, if not indefinitely. And so I was really getting pushed by my my interviewer to give him a expected salary number. And the phrase that I came up with, which I don't even know where this phrase came from, it just came from somewhere deep in my soul. And I think it's fantastic. And I recommend that everybody else use the same phrase. Um, I, in, in my back pocket, knew that I had another job offer. So I had a little bit of a confidence when it came to this conversation. And so he asked me, what are your salary expectations? And I said, didn't really want to tell him. And then he pushed me even further. What are your salary expectations? And I said, I have two numbers in my head. One number is my salary from my old job. And again, I wasn't telling him any numbers. I was literally saying this verbatim. I have one number, which is my old job. And I have another number, which is the salary of another competing job that would like me to start next month. If your number does not meet or exceed those other two numbers, I will let you know. So that was me saying, I do have a expected salary, but it is up to you to meet those salaries and for you as the interviewer who wants me to work for them to come to me to make it appealing for me to come and work for you. And so I think this worked perfectly because the interviewer immediately just gave up on trying to get me to give him a number. And then he gave me the number and the number was higher than the number that I would have told him. And so I would have just totally screwed myself over if I told him my expected salary, because you never know what this person is going to be offering you. And it's not your job to give them a number and also to go through the whole people pleasing thing of, am I asking for too much? The imposter syndrome, all of all that? No, absolutely not. Just don't tell them anything and just tell, let them tell you what the job is worth. And I think that is such a great idea to do. And after that, I was uh, given the, uh, the number and I was comfortable with it. And I actually made myself think about the offer for two days, just not to seem too eager. I knew I was going to accept my the job. I was super excited about it and it seemed like a great job. But I made myself tell the interviewer that this is uh, really great. I, I really appreciate this, but that um, I have a lot to think about with my other uh, offer and I just needed two days to think about it. And then I would reach out to him on like a Thursday or whatever two days from then was. And so I can tell you now that after I've accepted that job and, and I've been in it for about 
six months now. Um, I absolutely love it so much. Working in-house somewhere as a user experience designer, especially one that isn't a startup, but is kind of like somewhere between startup and like super big enterprise level company is that there's so much to do. There's so many things that people will tag you on and ask you to work on. Within the first month that I started working in my job, I I was given responsibility to do all these different things. And I've learned so much about what it's like to work with project managers and what it's like to work with all of these different people that are within the user experience, product experience ecosystem. And it just seems really, really stable. I, I always have new work to do. There's there's always something to learn. People are really kind and and they're focused on building like a long-lasting work relationship with me and and also I'm focused on building that relationship with them. And I just think that it's such an amazing culture. And I know this isn't the case at every job, but I I really am so glad that they took all of that effort to interview me eight times and and learn all of this stuff about me um, because I can tell that they do that with every other person in their company and everybody other person on their team and that's what makes working at this this place so great is because so many other people have the same uh, priorities as you and it, when it comes to doing the job well they they want to um, show up for you and and they they all have the same interest in improving the product and making it better and I just love it so much that's so that's chapter 12 dream job and chapter 13 uh, is the thing that I was excited to to share at the end of this was after all of these these interviews after all of these this stress trying to find a job all of the freelancing and then also worried if I was going to be able to pay rent or anything, all of these little valleys and issues and setbacks and everything, I always wanted to be able to move out of the the city that I've been living in. I've been living in um, Philadelphia for the last six years. I was here for all of uh, college and I was here for two years after graduation going on three years and I'm just really ready to go and move on and go somewhere new and have a new life experience and I haven't been able to do this previously because I wasn't stable enough to deal with moving somewhere um, I didn't know how to afford it and and when you have so much other turmoil and <laughs> stress in your life, the idea of moving is just not on your mind and you don't feel like that's something that's in the cards for you. So because I'm remote and I'm based in Philadelphia, my entire team is based in uh, Boston, I was talking with a couple of my coworkers and I was talking with my boss and as well as my accountant and everything. And um, my next chapter of my life is going to be going to Europe and living there and working 3 p.m. to 11 p.m. And that is uh, Boston time, which is 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., 3 p.m. to 11 p.m. European time, and having all of these different life experiences and seeing what, I don't know, maybe what, what car rental stuff is like over there or what scooter rental apps are like over there just to 
I don't know, explore different things, visit my friends in different places. And so I'm not going to go too uh, strong into this. I'm, I'm going to test it out for two months, for the month of September and October. And I'm not going to say where I'm going, but um, I'm going to be in, in Europe and, and doing fun stuff over there. And if working there for two months uh, is sustainable and it doesn't inter interfere with my job or it doesn't, um, I don't feel too homesick or I don't feel too lonely or anything like that, because those are all real things that could really happen. Um, I'm going to come back to the U.S. for two months and then uh, change my my lease, give my lease to somebody else, pack up my stuff, get rid of all the stuff that I don't really need. And then I'm going to go back to Europe uh, in January and start a life of living there for just a year and see how that goes. But it's just so wild to be saying that after everything that I've been through, after all of the different points along this journey where I felt like I was never going to be able to be at a point like this or that, you know, maybe like that life is just not for me or I'm never going to find a job in user experience. I'm never going to find a job doing anything. I just remember feeling so hopeless and so out of it and just really down. And so just to say that I've gone from that state to where I am now, where I'm thinking about going and exploring and taking my job with me. And also how amazing is it that my job is saying, sure, Emily, let's do this experiment for two months. And if you're happy and if it's not interrupting with work, yeah, you can go do that. Go, go explore, go have a great time. And so that's, that's the big thing that I wanted to share at the end of this. So if you got anything out of this, I really hope that um, if you are starting into the world of user experience or if you are trying to see how you can get into it, or maybe you are already in UX, but maybe you feel a little stagnant and you want to learn about how to make connections with people and maybe find a company that fits you better or you really feel more passionate about, I really hope that you could get at least something um, out of me blabbering for, I don't know how long it's been, maybe like almost an hour, 30 minutes or something like that. Um, but yeah, I really appreciate everybody that has listened to my podcast because I wouldn't have these friendships. I wouldn't have these connections if I didn't have the podcast because it gives me such an amazing excuse every week to to connect with people. And uh, speaking of connecting with people and everything, I actually have a really, really exciting guest for next week that I uh, I think some of my friends already know about, but I am really excited to share it for, for next week. That's everything from me. This has been the Great Design Lead Podcast, and hope you have a great week, everybody. And thank you so much. Love you.